Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe and fun place to get real and learn about sex. Whether you're a man or woman, single or couple, this is the show for you. I am your host, Kevin Anthony, and I am here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and your relationships. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 279. And it is titled, How to Avoid Relationship Conflicts. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about relationship conflicts. What are they? What do we mean when we say conflict? Because there is a little bit of a difference between a conflict and argument, disagreement, whatnot. We're going to talk about how to avoid having relationship conflicts. And then we're also going to talk about how to navigate relationship conflicts. And a few more things as well. But that's the basic idea for this show. The reality is, is that if you're in a relationship with anybody, but especially with your partner, uh, whether it's your you know, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, conflicts are inevitable. The question is, how frequently do they happen and how do you handle them when they happen? Uh, Long-time listeners of this show might remember, uh, you know, when Celine and I were doing this show together, we would talk about the fact that in all the years that we were together, we never had an actual argument. Now, that doesn't mean that we didn't have conflicts or disagreements, which we occasionally did, not very often, but occasionally, but they never became arguments because we knew how to handle them before they became arguments. And so we're going to cover that. We're going to talk about that today and so much more. If you want to know how we managed to stay together for that many years and not have any arguments and really only have a handful in almost a decade uh, of actual conflicts, then you keep listening to this show. Of course, I'm also going to mix in uh, some research on the topic and some other models that may be helpful for you. Uh, So yeah, I think this should be required listening for pretty much anybody that wants to be in a relationship because the reality is nobody teaches us these things. And the only way we figure it out is through trial and error. We have conflicts and they don't work. And then we figure out what could we have done better, at least Hopefully we've done that. <laughs> uh, and, we, and we learn, you know, trial by fire. So hopefully this might give you some ideas on how to manage this better. And so you won't have to learn the hard way. All right, before we get there, a word from my sponsor, Power and Mastery 3.0 is here. The men's sexual mastery program you have heard about on this show for a long time is now even better. I have personally reviewed every module, lesson, video, audio, and PDF to see if there is anything new that needed to be added. As a result, I have added 10 new videos, one new audio, eight new PDFs, and dozens of links to handpicked products to help support your journey to mastery. In addition, there's also a brand new user interface that makes it easier to navigate the course and find your course materials. So if you are ready to become the sexual master you have always wanted to be, then go to powerandmastery.com. As you know, this is the Men's Sexual Mastery Program that Celine and I created. And this year, uh, I finally accomplished something that Celine and I had wanted to do but couldn't do due to the health journey uh, that we were on there. Um, And that was go over the courses that we made several years ago and make them even better. You know, new technologies exist, new information exists. Our understanding of it has evolved. And so I have done that. I'm really proud of it. I hope you go check it out. Uh, You know, if you if you really want to up your game, you know, deal with uh, any ED issues you have, any premature ejaculation issues that you have, you just want to improve your skills and become, you know, what we call a sexual master. It's all there in Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. Okay, so let's get into the show here. The idea for this show, like many of my shows, comes from real life. And not too long ago, a good friend of mine was telling me a story that happens to her while dating. 
And the story was so outrageous. The first thought I had was, I need to do a show about how to avoid conflicts like this. So the conflict that I am referring to has since been dubbed the infamous pancake incident of 2023. (laughs) I'm going to explain to you what I mean by that. So I have a good friend who uh, is out there in the dating world, and she had been dating this man for a very short period of time. I don't know, a month or two, I don't remember exactly. And they were really just getting to know each other. And on their very first sleepover at his place, one morning, and this is, you know, I think the second day or third day in, uh, one morning uh, he offers to make pancakes for breakfast. So uh, she says, that's fantastic. Now, as she was getting to know him, she knew that he didn't quite have the same um, level of knowledge around health and healthy eating and food that she did. But she was trying to be open-minded and, you know, be able to uh, guide him where appropriate. So while making these pancakes, he asks her what type of oil she would like him to use in the pancakes. Which, by the way, is fantastic. If you're going to volunteer to cook food for somebody, especially somebody new that you're just getting to know, it's a great idea to ask, how do you like it? Uh, He obviously already had an idea that she was really into healthy eating. And so he had asked, what type of oil would you like me to put in the pancakes? To which she responded what type of oil she wanted, which was not what he would normally use. And because it was coconut oil, which generally uh, is a solid, unless it's really hot out, requires being melted before you put it into something like a pancake batter. Out of nowhere, he just kind of explodes, and it becomes an entire conflict over what oil. And it even got taken to the point of, this is going to be an ongoing conflict between us if we continue to see each other. And the reason why I say it was so absurd or so crazy is because, well, first of all, it's over pancakes, right? (laughs) But mostly because it could have been avoided so easily. Now, the result of this is, you know, he got super angry and it turned into a huge argument. They had to separate each other for a while for it to cool down. And at the end of it, you know, he ended up asking her to leave. And that was basically the end of their relationship. So, you know, a month or two of dating completely ended because of pancakes. And I know it's, it does sound ludicrous, but think about this for a moment. Think about your life and the different relationship conflicts you've had. I'm sure you can come up with something that was probably as ridiculous as that, that did turn into an argument. And so as soon as I had heard that story, I thought, man, so many couples have so many conflicts that turn into arguments that have real lasting negative repercussions on the relationship that could have been avoided really easily. And that's really why I wanted to do this show. So I want to help you not have these kinds of conflicts. Or if you end up in one, figure out how to navigate it without it ending the way the infamous pancake incident of 2023 ended. (laughs) Okay, so let's dive in. I want to start first with what do we mean by relationship conflicts? And I know this sounds really simple. However, uh, when I read you some of these things, I think it will make more sense. I say it sounds simple because you all know you all had conflicts in your relationship before. You're like, yeah, I know what a relationship conflict is. But just bear with me here for a moment. So simplistically, it is an interactive process occurring when conscious beings, individuals, or groups have opposing or incompatible actions, beliefs, goals, ideas, motives, needs, objectives, obligations, resources, and or values. 
First conflict is interactive and inherently communicative. Second, two or more people or even groups of people who can think must be involved. And lastly, there are a whole range of different areas where people can have opposing or incompatible opinions. The reason why I wanted to read that, I mean, is you can you can tell it's like basically straight out of a textbook. But I wanted to read that to you because I like how it expressed opposing or incompatible actions, beliefs, goals, ideas, motives, needs, objectives, obligations, resources, and or values. So you see, it's a, it can be a lot of different things. And that's the point I really wanted to get across. You know, it isn't just necessarily something you did wrong. Uh, there are a lot of other things that could potentially cause conflicts. And so I wanted, I wanted to just bring that up and mention that. And then I also wanted to mention something. Um, there's a, a book called Managing Conflict Through Communication. It was written by Dudley Kahn and Ruth Anna Abigail. Uh, and they have this basically four factors that have to be present for an interpersonal conflict. So number one is the conflict parties are interdependent, right? So when you're in a relationship, obviously you're interdependent. They have the perception that they seek incompatible goals or outcomes, or they favor incompatible means to the same ends. The perceived incompatibility has the potential to adversely affect the relationship, leaving emotional residues if not addressed. That's very important and very big. And then lastly, there is a sense of urgency about the need to resolve the difference. And so I kind of wanted to, to cover those two things. Like I said before, I know it sounds simple. We all know what a relationship conflict is because we've all had them. But I think that breaks it down a little bit more and makes it maybe a little bit more clear about what we're talking about here. You're in a relationship that's interdependent. You seem to have incompatible goals. Uh, the incompatibility has the potential to adversely affect the relationship and you feel a need to resolve it. So that's what we're really talking about here in relationships when we're talking about conflicts and how we want to avoid them. Okay, well, so then that leads us to, and I'm going to break this down, by the way. I'm going to break it down to how we can avoid relationship conflicts and how we can navigate them. And I know I said that in the beginning of the show, but I want to reiterate it because while similar, they're a little bit different also. So I'm going to start with how can we avoid relationship conflicts. Number one is choose your partners wisely. Now, obviously, if you're already in a relationship, you, you, you kind of already passed over number one. But if you're not in a relationship already, think about this a little bit. When I say choose your partner wisely, what do, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean choosing somebody with common interests, okay? Choosing somebody with similar values. So in this case of the great uh, pancake incident or the infamous pancake incident, we had a difference in values around health and nutrition. And that's one of the things that caused the conflict. So if you choose a partner who already has similar values, then you are less likely to end up in conflicts over those values. And remember, uh, in the beginning here, when I was talking about what do we mean by relationship conflicts, and we said opposing or incompatible actions, beliefs, goals, ideas, blah, 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 values was one of them in there. So you really want to be choosing somebody where you have common interests, you have shared values, potentially similar religious beliefs, and similar political views, like you get the idea. The better job you do at choosing a partner that is right for you, that is compatible with you, then the less chance there is that you will have conflicts over the incompatibilities later on down the line. So if you listened to the episode I did on relationship advice from a divorce lawyer, uh, she talked a lot about foundation right? There was this idea of foundation. Uh, and there was another one. She's got the four Fs. I don't remember what they all are off the top of my head, but one of them was foundation. And there was another one as well that really dealt with this idea of, 
you know, making sure that you're in a relationship with somebody that you're truly compatible with. And, you know, she, she went as far as saying that the overwhelming majority of relationships uh, that she had seen um, should have never been started to begin with. Uh, and that, that was one of, in, on my uh, Instagram channel I was, and my YouTube channel, both actually, I was putting out some little short videos and reels. And that was one of the key quotes that, that she had seen that a lot of people shouldn't have been together. And when I probed her about that and asked for more info, what do you mean by that? What do you mean they should have never been together? It comes down to this choosing your partner wisely. They didn't have common interests. They didn't have shared values. They didn't have similar beliefs, that sort of thing. So um, if you want to set yourself up for success, choose wisely from the beginning. Number two, ooh, this one is big. Do your own personal work before conflicts arise. So that means working on your wounding and your triggers. So let's go back to the example of the infamous pancake incident. It was pretty obvious to me when listening to that story, and I admit I'm only hearing one side of it, but it was pretty obvious to me that there was something else deeper underneath that than just what oil you're putting in the pancakes. And as I learned more after the fact, it turns out that this particular individual uh, was in a marriage for a long time, and it seemed, from what we can tell, that his former partner tended to boss him around a lot and tell him what to do frequently. And so what happened is when she made her request, even though he solicited that request by asking her, when she told him what she wanted and it wasn't what he would normally do, he got triggered. Now, should he have gotten triggered? No, of course not. But he did get triggered because there was a trauma, there was a wounding, there was something under there that triggered that old stuff from his previous relationship to come up, which then got uh, put on to the new current relationship. And so you can avoid that happening if you really do work uh, to, you know, resolve any of those old wounds that you have from past relationships or, you know, mommy, daddy issues that you have, trauma that might be there. You know, if you can work on those things and take them off the table, then you're less likely to get triggered and have conflicts uh, in the future. So, you know, we say this all the time on the show, but everything's an inside job. It all starts from the inside. So, you know, it is worth it to take the time to deal with those things. And, you know, so many people, when these things happen, they automatically blame the other person. Well, it's not me. It was them. They did whatever this, that, and the other thing. But you really do have to take a look in the mirror. You got to look at yourself and see where you uh, either were responsible or maybe at least complicit in the conflict that's happening. So you definitely want to make sure that you do your own work before. That will really help you avoid conflicts in the future. Number three, learn how to communicate. So, so many of the conflicts that I see out there are because people don't know how to communicate effectively and compassionately. So what might start out as something really small, what might start out as something that's really not a big deal, as the two parties communicate, or should I say miscommunicate, or communicate in a way that is not effective, and or communicate in a way that is not compassionate, therefore causing additional harm on top of the original conflict, when that stuff happens, it really spirals out of control. So it's really important to learn really effective communication strategies. Now, there are a ton of them out there. Um, you know, one of them that I have studied over the years and that Selena and I have recommended uh, for a long time is Nonviolent Communication. It's a book by Marshall Rosenberg. 
and is very well known. You will see today in some of the, you know, men who are out there doing like men's coaching stuff, they'll kind of say, oh, nonviolent communication isn't, isn't the way for a man to communicate. It is a great foundation. It will teach you some really, really wonderful things. Now, do you have to follow it 100%? Do you have to do everything they say? No, but just the basics of what it is teaching you are the basics of a really solid communication style. But you don't have to do that one. There are plenty of others out there. I learned from some of my friends and mentors over the years, lots of good little tips and tricks. Um, I was in a relationship many, many years ago with a woman where no matter what I said, when it was uh, taken in on the other end, the exact opposite of what I said was understood. So, you know, I used to use the example all the time. If I said this shirt was white, She'd go, don't you tell me that shirt's black. I can clearly see it's white. Like it was literally to that extent. And so uh, some friends who are also now in the industry at the time, I was not actually doing coaching work, um, had given me a few good ideas. Okay, you know, one, chunk down uh, the, the information that you're sharing, meaning don't share lots of information because some people can't take in large amounts of information. So little bits at a time, give them time to digest. The other thing that they shared with me at that time, and you know, this goes back quite a few years, and, uh, but it was um, asking them to repeat back uh, what I had said. And when I employed that strategy, that's, that's when I realized uh, what was happening is the opposite of what I was saying was being heard. See, I just thought, you know, she was disagreeing or was just being difficult. But then once I said, okay, here's what I have to say, please repeat that back to me. And when it was repeated back, it was exactly the opposite of what I had said. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. There is. So the thing is, is she was reacting appropriately to what she thought I had said. But what I had said was completely different. So those are tools and strategies that you can learn. I Go learn whatever works for you, but take some time to learn how to communicate. That's really the the point I want you to get from this one, is effective communication is everything. It really is. You cannot have a healthy, vibrant, thriving relationship if both parties don't know how to communicate effectively. It is really that important. So go out there and find whatever method of communication works for you. I would say, because I know this is my experience and I'm pretty sure it's most people's experience, most of us did not grow up being taught how to communicate properly with anybody, no less our intimate partner. If we're not taught it, then we have to figure out a way to learn it on our own. So I strongly suggest you do that. We have a bunch of videos, I'm sure, on this channel about communications. I know we've done uh, other podcasts on communication. So definitely, definitely go check that out. Uh, that's a great start. You can check out Marshall Rosenberg's book uh, and then you know get on the internet and find additional resources if you need them. Uh, but you got to learn how to communicate effectively. All right, number four. Know what your needs are. This is really important. So remember, we're still talking about how we can avoid relationship conflicts. So we're trying to set ourselves up for success so that we don't have relationship conflicts. And one of the ways that you can do that is really knowing what your needs are. So what do I mean by that? Well, a lot of times people aren't necessarily clear on what their needs are until the need isn't being met. But at that point, it's a little bit too late because now there's already resentment. So the more clear you can become on what your needs are, and then, of course, associated with that is how well you can communicate to your partner what those needs are, the less likely you are going to end up in a situation where your needs are not being met and there's a conflict over it. So... Remember going back to 
what do we mean by relationship conflicts? We said opposing or incompatible actions, beliefs, goals, ideas, motives, needs, objectives, obligations, resources, and or values. So we're, we're talking about some of those things as we go along here. So it's really important uh, to know what your needs are. Um, and then, of course, clearly uh, communicate those to your partner. Now, part of knowing what your needs are also is knowing whether or not those are really legitimate needs. In other words, there are a lot of times that we say we need something, but we don't really need it. We just kind of want it. Or if we really, really think about it, we're like, ah, that's not really something I need, but that's something that I learned you know, from my primary role models that I think I need, but maybe I don't really need. So it'll help you get clear on what your needs actually are. And then, of course, you need to communicate them. And then the last one here is setting good boundaries. This is really important. So a lot of times in relationships, people do not set good boundaries. And then when a boundary is broken, they get angry about it. The problem is, is that sometimes the partner who broke the boundary didn't even know they were breaking the boundary because the boundaries weren't made clear. Another thing that can happen is sometimes people set boundaries and there's a difference between a, like a really like deal breaker boundary and a smaller boundary. And so sometimes even when people set boundaries, but they do so in sort of a wishy-washy kind of way, the other person thinks, ah, it's no big deal. It's, it's not really a big boundary. It's, it's kind of a small thing. Yeah, I probably shouldn't be, but it's not a big deal. But then when the boundary gets broken, it turns out to be a big deal. So the idea here is um, that you want to set good boundaries from the start. And then, of course, coming back to that communication, you want to clearly communicate what those boundaries are. And, of course, if you see somebody is going to break a boundary, if you can remind them of that boundary before they break it, that would be amazing because then they would have an opportunity right then and there to make a conscious choice about whether or not they were going to break the boundary. So, there you go. Those are basically five ways that you can avoid relationship conflicts. And so I would love to see people really work on those so that they never get to the point where they're already in the conflict, or at least rarely get to the point where they're in a conflict. Um, but conflicts, as I said at the beginning of the show, are inevitable. They do happen from time to time. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is how can we navigate relationship conflicts? But before we do that... I need to take a short break for my second sponsor. Hey guys, do you know what makes a man great? You know the kind of masculine man that women are irresistibly attracted to and want. Is it money, job title, his physical body, being great in bed, a big penis, great pickup lines? But what if you don't have those or only some of them? What if you've had a string of failed relationships, are embarrassed by your bedroom skills, doubt whether you can rise to the occasion, worry about lasting long enough, or are always stuck in the friend zone? I can help you. If you're ready to make big changes and finally become the man you have always wanted to be, then this is the program for you. To find out more, please go to kevinandseline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. The link is in the description below. You know that is my men's coaching program. While I do primarily focus on sex, love, and relationship, becoming a sexual master, showing up the best way that you can in your relationships, and cultivating the love of your life that you have always wanted, those things are not separate from the rest of your life and what it means to truly be a man. So, of course, we inevitably end up working on some of the more manly areas of being a man, and, and that's all part of it because it's, it's all together. So, uh, you know, if you're not stepping up like you wish you would, if your sex life, if your love and relationship are not where you want them to be, then go check it out at kevinandseline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. Okay, next. 
how can we navigate relationship conflicts? So we have mentioned that they are inevitable. They will happen from time to time. Hopefully, though, you have done all those things in the beginning to avoid it. And so they will happen very infrequently. But when they do happen, how do we navigate that? All right. I have nine ways here, or nine things that you can do in a conflict to help you navigate it. Number one, let's take a deep breath. I know it sounds a little silly or a little woo-woo, or at least here in Southern California where every event that you go to starts off with, let's take a deep breath. Ah. <laughs> That's not exactly what I'm talking about here, but at the same time, it sort of is, right? So take a deep breath because conflicts often have a tendency to trigger us. And when we say trigger, we kind of mean an explosion, right? The expression comes from pulling the trigger. It means that something sort of jumps out of control really fast. And so one of the ways to avoid that uh, and make sure that it doesn't happen is to slow down a little bit and take a deep breath. So before you have a reaction, and this leads me to number two, you take a deep breath, and number two is learn how to control your emotional reactions. This is probably the hardest thing for most people to do. Most people can, you know, learn communication, you know, techniques, and they can take some deep breaths, and, you know, they can maybe handle some of the other things, but learning to control their emotional reaction is difficult for a lot of people. Because it's visceral, you feel it. When something happens that triggers it, there's this release of you know, chemicals in the body that create this strong emotion that you then end up lashing out or having some sort of uh, emotional reaction. The problem with that, though, is that often makes the conflict worse. So what you really want to do is learn how to control that emotional reaction. If you can prevent yourself from lashing out until you have a chance to let that sort of emotion settle down and evaluate, is this justified, is this valid, or is this just a trigger, right? So that's, that's really what you want to do. You want to slow down, you want to take a deep breath, and you want to control your emotional reaction. If you're having that urge to have an emotional outburst, do whatever you can not to do it because those emotional outbursts will usually cause more damage and make the conflict worse. It definitely will not make it any easier to navigate. So you definitely want to learn how to control that. All right, so number one was take a deep breath. Number two was control your emotional reaction. Number three is to remember that this is a person you love. Now we're talking, because this is the Love Lab podcast, about sex, love, and relationships. So we're assuming that this conflict is probably with your partner. But keep in mind, this same number three can work for other relationships, whether it's a family member. Hey, this is still somebody you love. Maybe it's a close friend. You know, this is still somebody that is, is a friend and is important to you. So take a moment to slow down and remember that this is somebody that you love and not somebody that you want to hurt. Which leads me to number four which is don't say or do things that will damage the relationship and or trust. So if this is somebody you love, why would you want to do something that is going to damage the relationship? Obviously, there's already some sort of an issue with the relationship, which is what has led to this conflict. Why would you want to make that worse or potentially create additional damage that wasn't there before the conflict. So, you know, again, this is somebody that you love. Why would you want to do or say things uh, that could potentially hurt them and damage the relationship? Now, I have seen, and I'm sure many of you have experienced this, where people will say and do things specifically to hurt the other person because they themselves have been hurt. If you've done this, we'll, we will forgive you because we've all done it at some point in our lives. But I do have to say this is extremely immature behavior. 
It is extremely emotionally immature. And if that is the way you typically respond to conflicts, you have a lot of work to do. (laughs) It is absolutely true. Even if somebody hurts you, you do not say or do things just to hurt them back. In the end, it's going to end up hurting you also, not just them. Because when you do things to hurt them, that's also going to hurt the relationship. And since you're in a relationship, that's ultimately going to hurt you. But number four, don't say or do things that will damage your relationship or trust. Which leads me to number five, which is communicate calmly and clearly. It's really important to communicate calmly and clearly. One of the things that is occasionally reflected back to me personally is that when I am very passionate about something, I tend to get really excited and like forceful when I talk about it. Not so much in dealing with like what's happening in our relationship, but maybe we're talking about a political subject or something that maybe we don't completely agree on. I can get pretty heated about it, and that has been reflected back to me by partners. (laughs) Um, And so what I work on is being able to communicate that calmly. There's nothing wrong with being passionate, by the way, um, especially if it's something you really believe in. The problem is, though, and as it has been reflected back to me in the past, is that if I get too over the top with it, the person can't hear me anymore, right? And so... That's something to keep in mind. When we're talking about conflicts, you know, in these conflicts, which can very easily escalate into arguments, people's voices can get raised, the tone that they're using can change, and those things generally don't help. And it's interesting because we have this uh, perception that if we just talk a little bit louder, we'll get our point across and they'll hear us, right? (laughs) But it doesn't work like that. The louder and more intense that we get, the less effective the communication is. So that's why we want to communicate calmly and clearly. Number six is the flip side of communicating calmly and clearly, and that is to make sure that you are listening to understand and not just respond. This is another really important one. So, so many people look like they're listening. They're staring at you real intently. But all they're doing is waiting for you to finish or even just slow down so that they can immediately fire their response back. That is something that you do not want to do. If you really intend to resolve the conflict, you have to listen to the other person so that you can understand where they are at, where they are coming from, what it is that they want and need. So make sure that you're listening to understand and not just to respond. And believe me, this can be challenging to do when we feel we're right and we have the information. We are just waiting to be able to get that in there. You may be right. You may have the information and you may indeed be waiting to get it in there. But while you are waiting, put that on the side for a minute Open up your ears and listen and attempt to understand where this person is at and what it is they need. It might be that they need something really simple and easy, and if you weren't able to hear it, you may have missed it altogether. All right, number seven, take time out if you need to. So if you cannot control your emotional reaction, if your deep breaths are not working, uh, if you cannot help yourself and you can't stop yourself from saying or doing things that will damage the relationship, if you are not capable of calmly and clearly communicating your point and or listening to understand, then you might need to take a little time out. It's okay to say, you know what? Let's just put this on hold for a minute until we both cool down so that we can come back in much calmer heads and talk about this in an emotionally mature way. It's okay to do that. I personally prefer, if, if possible, to be able to 
deal with the conflict right then and there. But if you really can't, and if you're going to cause more damage by attempting to resolve it now, rather than waiting until tempers cool down a little bit, then take the time out that you need. Number eight, if for some reason you simply can't resolve this conflict on your own, get some help. Get some help. If it's a rather small, minor conflict, maybe you just need a close, trusted friend or family member to mediate on your behalf. That is perfectly fine. If it's something bigger, more foundational to the relationship, go out and seek the appropriate help that you need. It could be, you know, a psychologist, could be a coach, uh, you know, could be maybe potentially a, a religious, you know, figure or something like that. But Get the help that you need. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's better to get the help that you need than to continue to damage the relationship over and over and over again. And, you know, I will often say when I'm doing these shows and I'm talking about how to do something, there will always be a component in there of getting the help that you need if you're not able to do it on your own. And in a, inevitably in the comments, I get somebody telling me, this is all just an advertisement for the work that you do. No, no, it's not. It's because I genuinely want you to get the help that you need. For instance, in this case, I don't work with relationships that are imploding and need a mediator or, you know, psychological counseling. That's not what I do. I generally work with people who are at least at a base level and want to fix, you know, the sex life that used to be great but isn't, or, you know, maybe they've got some sexual issues uh, and they're starting a new relationship and they want to fix them before it becomes a problem, or it's already a problem and they want to fix it, or they used to have a thriving relationship, but it's way, like, that's kind of my specialty and where I work. So I'm not even telling you if you're having problems with relationship conflicts to go hire me. So for all the the naysayers out there who just say, I want to do these topics just to you know, push people into my programs. That's not the case. I want to genuinely inform you. And if you need help and it is something that I do, then I'm happy to be a resource available to you. I actually used to do this type of conflict resolution uh, early, early on in my coaching. And there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, I found it sometimes really, really satisfying uh, when you are actually able to help a couple resolve something that they've been unable to resolve on their own, um, I think it's really amazing. It's just not where I have chosen uh, to pursue my line of work uh, these days. Now, you know, if I'm working with a couple uh, and they do have conflicts, I will certainly help them with the tools and skills that I have to resolve that conflict. But I don't put myself out there as the person to call when your relationship is in huge conflict. <laughs> uh, there are, I think, better, better prepared people out there uh, to help you with that. All right. And lastly, resolve the conflict as soon as possible but it doesn't have to be before you go to bed. So you have heard, never go to bed angry. You have to at all costs resolve a, a conflict before you go to bed. In general, that is a great idea. I would say that if you are able to resolve it before the end of the day, that is wonderful and fantastic. But sometimes some things are going to take a little bit more than that, and they're not going to be resolved before you go to bed. And that's okay. That's okay. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to let these things fester and continue to grow and metastasize and get worse. So it's always in your best interest to try to resolve a conflict as soon as you can. If you can do it before you go to bed, great. And if you can't, just don't let it hang around there and continue to get worse. So resolve it as soon as you can. So those are, are my nine things that you can do to help navigate a relationship conflict uh, if you find yourself in one. 
And I wanted to add something that I came across, and I've heard this before, but I had forgotten about it. Um, but I, I thought it would, was kind of cool, so I wanted to bring it up here, which is if you are in a conflict, uh, there's something known as conflict management style, and there's three types. And it, it's important to understand what type you are and what type your partner is, because that can help you understand how to work within the context of the two of you and the conflict. So they are number one, avoiders, number two, battlers, and number three, collaborators. And they're, they're descriptive. I don't even need to read you the actual definition. An avoider is somebody that's going to try to avoid the conflict whatsoever, whether it's like pretending there isn't a conflict or making excuses for the conflict, whatever. They're trying to avoid it. Number two are the battlers. They're, they're the people that want to get in there and duke it out, and they're not letting it go until this battle is won by somebody, preferably them. <laughs> and number three are the collaborators who actually want to try to work together, uh, at least on some level, to come to a mutual resolution. So I'm just throwing that out there. It's just another sort of tool. Uh, most people will know what their default uh, way of operating in the world are. So, you know, for instance, this avoiders, battlers, collaborators is very similar to the um, uh, fight, flight, or fright type of thing that we're, that you've heard of many times, sort of our basic instinct of what happens in, an, in a situation. Some people freeze, right? Um, some people uh, run away, and some people stand and fight. Now, I'm not saying this is exactly a map to that, but you, you realize it's similar enough to that. And so knowing what your style is, what your tendency to want to do is, is really important. And same with your partner. So for instance, if you know that you or your partner tends to be an avoider, uh, then you can try to create an atmosphere that makes it easier for them to show up and actually work on the conflict rather than trying to avoid it altogether. You know, if it's if you or your partner is a battler and you're aware of that, especially like let's say you're aware of the fact that you're a battler, bringing that into your awareness, you can kind of step back and go, oh, okay, okay, you know, don't launch so many attacks, don't, you know. So understanding your style and their style can be really, really helpful in negotiating and managing conflicts. Um, I didn't really put it as one of the nine things because it's a little bit different, but I just wanted to throw that out there, that understanding what your conflict management style is uh, can be very helpful. And lastly, the very last thing that I wanted to mention was the fact that relationship conflicts don't always have to be negative. They could potentially have some positive effects as well. Um, in fact, I had decided to do this show, uh, and I hadn't mentioned it to the individual who told me the story about the infamous pancake incident of 2023. <laughs> um, and just uh, last night, I actually happened to see that person, and she asked me, what are you doing a show on tomorrow? <laughs> to which I said, oh, well, that's funny, you should ask. <laughs> So I told her what I was going to do the show on, and we were talking about the topic a little bit. One of the things that she mentioned was, well, you know, I don't think that all relationship conflicts are necessarily negative. And she was absolutely right. And I wanted to read a couple of quotes here that I have. One is, engaging in conflict isn't going to end the relationship. It's avoiding the conflict that might. And that's a quote from uh, Michael Batshaw. Uh, he's a psychologist in New York who specializes in couples. And the point he's trying to make there is that you're better off having the conflict and resolving it than avoiding it. Uh, apparently, in his experience, he has seen avoiding it cause more problems. So you will see this a lot, that people will do anything they can to avoid conflicts. And sometimes that just perpetuates the problem. One more for you. Uh... So this one comes from uh, Terry Orbach. No problem is too small to acknowledge in a relationship. Uh, so it says, sweat the small stuff. 
And so uh, her almost 24-year research study with uh, the same couples found that if you don't address the small issues in your relationship, they just evolve into bigger problems uh, that then are really hard to unpack. And so this idea that, okay, nobody really wants to have a conflict, but sometimes if we can have the conflict and we can effectively resolve the conflict, we will be in a better position than had we avoided the conflict altogether. One last thing I will say about conflicts as a potential benefit is that if you are able to resolve them, then you can potentially make your relationship stronger. The two of you can grow together, your relationship can become stronger, and that is definitely a benefit. Now, I'm not saying that you should embrace having conflicts regularly so that you can get it all out of the way and make your relationship stronger, because that may or may not actually happen. Uh, But just know that it's not the end of the world. If you do have some conflicts, just do the best you can to resolve them and then, you know, give it your best effort to create a positive outcome as a result of the conflict. All right, I hope that was helpful. This is something that I see very, 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 very often is couples letting small things get in the way, turn into bigger conflicts, not knowing how to navigate them, navigate them, and then doing more damage in the long run uh, than it was necessary. And so I, I hope that this will help you avoid that. I hope that it was helpful as always. Like all of the shows I do, I try to give you real actionable stuff that you can use uh, to make your sex, love, and relationship better. And uh, I hope that this episode has helped you in that way. All right, that's all the time I have for this episode, and I will see you next week. I hope you liked this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free exclusive content, join me in the Passion Vault at kevinandceline.com forward slash vault. That's kevinandceline.com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, as Celine used to say, you're amazing.